We're in James this morning. Marlette already knew that. That's why I told her she couldn't answer. <laughs> we're in James chapter 4, and believe it or not, I just can't believe how fast we're going. It's just the third month of the year, and I'm already on chapter 4 out of 5. Now, you guys know better, just as well as I do that I better not speak too soon, uh, but I think we're going to finish James before the end of the year. <laughs> no, I think I think we're sure fire are going to do that. But uh, it took, took us a while to get through First Timothy, but uh, I think we did a lot in there and learned a lot, and I think we've learned a lot in James. This this book, this study in James, has revolutionized my life, and I pray that it has yours. I'm telling you guys, you know, I don't know if you guys realize, but these things are in real time for me too. I'm studying these things and I'm eating them and I'm giving you guys what God has given me. And uh, I don't come preaching these things as if I have already conquered them. Uh, because if I, if I had to preach only the things that I had conquered, I would not be able to preach to you anything except Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 that says, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, but it is the gift of God and not of works. As any man should boast, that's the only passage I could speak on. Praise the Lord, I don't have any merit in and of myself. It is by the grace of God and his strength and his mercy. And if I'm too loud, let me know. <coughs> by his mercy and grace. That I have been saved. But I'm preaching these things and I'm applying them to my life, guys, and it is changing my life. And I pray that it's doing the same for you. When you take the word of God and you apply it to your life, it will change your life. In fact, it'll take a dead, cold faith and it'll give life to it. Like we've talked about before, it'll take the wick of your lamp that is dead and out. The fire is out. It will take it and it'll put a new wick in you and it'll allow you when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, which is the oil, to have a fire burning within you that you can't keep it quiet. Jeremiah the prophet spoke of it as this. It is a fire within his bones that he could not Contain. He had to tell of the goodness of God. He had to tell the message. Many of you are familiar with the, with the prophet Jeremiah. He never once saw the fruit of his ministry. He didn't see it. But he did it faithfully because God said, do it. We're not in this for the fruit, guys. And I hope you know that. I'm not a pastor or a preacher just because I want something out of it. We talked about that last week. That's of the devil. It's demonic to have selfish envy in the things that you're doing for the Lord. Because when you're doing something, even if it's right, and you want something selfish gain out of it, 
You were manipulating the love and the grace of God and making a mockery of it. And Paul says that is of the devil. That is not of God. We preached on that the week before last, not last week. We had a guest last week. But today we're going to be talking about, in chapter 4, the severity of sin. The severity of sin. I want to ask you before we read, I want to ask the question, how serious is sin to you? How serious is it to you? Let's read James chapter 4, starting in verse 7. Submit, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, O you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Be miserable. And mourn. When's the last time you did that? And weep. Let your laughter be turned into mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves in the presence of the Lord and he will exalt you. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your word that it chastens us. Lord, I thank you that you've given me a spanking and I deserved it, every last bit of it. Lord, I pray that you would kick me into gear, empty me of any selfish greed or envy or boasting or pride. And Father, I pray that your word would be spoken today. And I pray that not in my own authority, but in the authority of Jesus Christ that has been given, granted to me through his death, burial, and resurrection. God, I am not here to give honor and glory to my name, but to your word and your name. In Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. So when's the last time that you wept and were mournful and sorrowful about your sin? When is the last time that you sinned against the Lord God and you cried about it? My friends, this struck me to the bone because I am in a place in my life and I have been in a place in my life of complacency of the sin that is in my life. How often do we catch ourselves saying, God, please forgive me, and we move on without even missing a step? We acknowledge the sin, but we just move right on. And I'm glad that the scripture says that if you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. But how often, my friends, do we take for granted the mercy and the grace of Almighty God and his standard of perfection and that we sin and we have no remorse? There is no turning around. There is no turning back from our sin. There is simply, I'm sorry, let me just keep on doing it. 
No remorse. Submit yourself to God, James says. I've got three things I want to talk about today about the world. The world does the opposite. They rejoice in sin. The world rejoices in sin. They take pride in it, if you will. I don't think I have to clarify any of that. They take pride in sin. In fact, they host parties about it. Celebrate it. Encourage others to participate in it. I'm not just talking about one particular sin, guys. The world rejoices in sin. So many times we see this, the world reflected in the church. The church, my friends, has been rejoicing in sin long enough. Long enough. We've seen this played out. The time of a testimony is a time to brag about all the sin that they've committed in their life. Have you ever noticed that? Have you ever seen that happen before? I'm not asking you to judge somebody. It's just a time for somebody to say, I've been out there in the world. I know what it's like out there. It's not, it's not glorifying and honoring to God and giving glory to Him from what He's saved you from. It's saying, look at me, look what I did. I know things. Right? It's coming from a place of pride. Talking to some ignorant people about the world. I know knowledge. I have knowledge. Right? We live in a day and age in which the, the sexual... Things are a, a judge for how old you are, whether you're an adult or not. Right? I don't want to get too crass here. But there, I mean, it's been around since I was a kid. I know it's even worse now. Your status symbol is based on how many people you've been with. <coughs> How much of the world have you tasted? How much you know about the world? I've had people, I've had people that I call friends talk to me as if I'm less than them because they know more about the world. He said, you don't know nothing about the world. I said, good, I don't want to. He said, do you know what this is? No, and I don't care what it is. I don't care. I don't need to know. Do you know who Jesus is? That's all that matters. 
Guys, it does not matter how much about the world that you know. That is not going to amount to anything when it comes to getting to heaven. Nothing. If I could have got that through my head when my mama sat me down as a 12-year-old boy and told me that very thing, what a different place I would be in. You don't have to taste of the world in order to know what life is. You don't. The world rejoices in sin. The church hides sin. We talked about that in Sunday school this morning. I won't rehash that for the sake of your guys' time. The world does not weep over their sins. The world says, I'm a pretty good person. Well, I'm better than that other person over there. Well, I've not killed anybody. I'm doing pretty good. Right? I'm not that bad. How many times have you heard that? I hear it tons. I just bring up the fact that I'm a pastor and people just start feeling like they have the need to justify themselves before me. Well, you know, I'm not that bad of a person. I, I, like, I like God. He's cool. Me and him are cool. We got our own thing going, right? I despise that song, by the way. <laughs> Me and Jesus got our own thing going. Yeah, he's got his thing going. And he's making Jesus into what he wants him to be. To justify the sins that he's committing. My friends... You can't put God in a box. Can't make him into what you want him to be. Our God is just. He is merciful, but he is just. He is grieved by our sins. Did you know that? That is why he died on the cross and suffered what he did because of my sin. If I was the only person in the world who had ever committed a sin, he would have done it for me and it would have been just as painful and just as much torment and just as much on him to pay the eternal debt that I owe for my sins for just me. My sins separate me from Almighty God. Have you ever done something, friends? And, and I'm going to talk to the married people here. Men, when's the last time you upset your wife? You had no idea why. But she won't talk to you. What did I do? If you don't know, I'm not telling you. That separates the relationship when you do something against her and especially if you know good and well what you did. 
but you don't want to admit it. Alright? I did something like that. Not too long ago. What did it do? It put a rift between me and Erica. Put a rift, and she's not in the room. Of course, I'd be talking about her now. It's not nice. I'm the one that did the wrong thing. Oh, there she is. Look at that. I'm the one that did the wrong thing, not her. Don't go asking her what happened. It's typical, right? A man, man messes up a lot. When I do something against her wishes or without consulting her first, it puts a rift between me and her. In my relationship with God, I want to get to the level of, hey God, what do you think I should eat for breakfast this morning? Now that's stupid, Corbin. Why would you do that? I want to be so close to God that I want to know what he wants me to do in every stupid little aspect of my life so that it's not stupid, so that it's not insignificant. You know, Erica and I were talking about this a lot too long ago. Even from the place of, God, where do you want me to eat? I'm grabbing breakfast this morning. Where do you want me to go, Lord? Who knows? I went through the drive-thru at... Uh, at McDonald's and encountered a person I was able to share the truth of the gospel with them. All because I said, God, where do you want me to eat? You want me to go to Hardee's or McDonald's? You want me to go to Chick-fil-A or McDonald's? So what may seem insignificant to you can make all the difference in the world. My friends... Get to the place in your life where you are asking for every single decision that you make from the Lord. Let him tell you what to do and just watch how your life changes. Just watch. My friends, what James is trying to tell us here is that we need to stop rejoicing, neglecting, Moving on with unrepentant hearts of our sin. Sin is when we miss the mark. Sin is when God has this standard and we miss it. Most of the time we think, I think I'm doing good. I'm doing all right. I read my Bible today. I prayed today. I did okay. Yeah, but I gave that person an attitude. I was bitter. I'm harboring bitterness for that person. Or I cast a judgmental glance on that person. I talked down to that person. Oh, I, I told a white lie over there. That's sin. Guys, we are not meeting the mark. If you think you have, you're a liar. That's what 1 John says. If you're thinking that you can do anything to get in right standing with God in and of yourself, you're wrong. The world is prideful. This is point number two. The world is prideful in the face of God. I think I'm okay. Right? We talked about this already. I got it figured out. You know? I'm not too bad. 
It comes from a legalistic mindset. It comes from, hey, look, this is the set of rules that I have, and I haven't broken too many of them, so I've my good has outweighed my bad, so I'm doing okay. Right? If you have disobeyed, Jesus said this, one jot or a tittle of the law, the jot and the tittle are the two smallest form letters in the alphabet. I think a jot's the biggest and the tittle is the smallest. If you have disobeyed the smallest aspect of the law, guess what, guys? You're guilty of it all. If you are a transgressor of any part of the law, you have failed. You ever had those quizzes in school? I had a quiz like that. It was a five-question quiz. If you miss one answer, you fail. You have to get 100. That's how Jesus is. That's the standard that God has. Perfection or nothing. I got my friends. You're not going to skate by with, I think I'm good enough. You're not going to make it by, I'm doing this right. Because guess what? It's not about you. Unmerited favor. That's what grace is. Unmerited favor. Humble yourselves before your God. Humble yourselves. How many times have we caught ourselves at going to the Lord in arrogance and pride as if he, need, he owes me something? God doesn't owe me anything. He doesn't owe me comfort. He doesn't owe me money. He doesn't owe me. I owe him. James is telling us, look at yourselves and realize you don't make the cut. Humble yourself before your God. Don't come at him with greedy, envy, self-seeking things and doing things just to do to get in right standing with God. He just talked about the, 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 this before. The world is hostility toward God. Whoever wishes to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Who is your friend? Are you trying to fit in with God or are you trying to fit in with the world? The world will perish in their sins, thirdly. The world will perish in their sins. It is the eternal punishment. Where the flame does not die, the worm does not die either.
I'm, I'm a good person does not get you there. Does not get you to heaven. Doesn't get you out of the flames of hell. Well, God, Jesus said in the, the parable of the sheep and the goats, he said that people would come before God and they would say, God, didn't, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Did we not do all manner of miracles in your name? Did I not do all these things in your name? And he says, I don't even know who you are. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. Keith Green, when he's singing a song about it, he said this, he said, if you've not done it to the least of my brethren, you have not done it unto me. He did say in the scripture, the converse of that, if you've done it to the least of my brethren, you've done it to me. If you've turned away the sick or the hungry, if you refuse to do good in the name of Jesus Christ for his honor, for his glory, not your own, if you refuse to do, to be a laborer in his vineyard and reaping the harvest that is ready and ripe, if you refuse to labor for him and do what he asks you to do, you've not done it for him. You've not. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. If you're not on his side, you're on the enemy's side. You can't serve two masters. Our sin separates us from God. His grace is sufficient. I don't want to leave you guys thinking that I am I'm preaching some works-based salvation. I'm not. Please don't get me wrong. But an unrepentant heart towards sin is evil. The Holy Spirit comes into your life when you accept this free gift of salvation and it will convict you of sins in your life. And it is up to you to say, I will follow the Spirit and not my flesh. I will follow God and not what I want in my pride, my arrogance, and my self-seeking envy. I will follow God to the ends of the earth. I will do what he calls me to do and I will not be ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. He said, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before my father. This is not something to just take lightly, guys. This is not something that is just we can be so flippant about as we have been in the church today. We have unrepentant sin. It is a sin to disobey the command of God. It is sin for us to refuse to share the gospel. It is sin. To reject the moving and compelling of the Holy Spirit. 
So many of us think we've made it. So many of us in this life think we're doing fine. When in actuality, we are serving our master, the devil. The Pharisees, we talked about them this morning in Matthew chapter 16. They thought they were serving God. And they rejected his son. And Jesus said, if you knew my father, you would accept me. You are not of my father, Jesus said. You are of the devil. My friends, I encourage you. Examine your hearts. Grieve over your sin. Because my friends, I'm, I'm in the same boat. The complacency in my life is done. It's done. I'm, it's over. I can't, cannot live that way anymore. I pray that God would do that for you as well. His Holy Spirit can come into you and change your whole world, your perspective. You understand, oh wretched man that I am. We understand who we are before the presence of almighty, holy, perfect God, creator of the universe. I am nothing without him. Nothing. But by the grace of God, I live and breathe. My eternal life doesn't start when I die. Did you know that? I'll never forget. We were making fun of my grandpa when he was about to die. He said, I'm not going to die. I said, yeah, right. Yeah. We laughed at him. He knew what he was talking about better than we did. I'm not going to die, Corbin. Praise the Lord. My eternal life starts now. Now here's the, here's the converse of what I've just been talking about. Weep over your sin. Be repentant of it. But don't stay there. Don't live there. The devil would love nothing more than for you to stay wretched and miserable, wallowing in self-pity, just un just degrading yourself and, and talking bad about yourself. When Christ comes in the picture, he takes your heart of stone and you finish the breast of Isaiah and you'll find that out. He takes from you your heart of stone and he puts it away and he gives to you a heart of flesh that is soft and ready to receive the spirit of the living God and he will work in and through you and make you a new creature. In Christ Jesus, our Lord. And then, watch what God does with your life. I promise you, it's worth it. Give your life to Him. I pray, as I have this invitation time, I don't want to ever take these lightly. I've had several discussions with my friends about Hi, this is Corbin Madden welcoming you to Words of Truth.
If you'd like more information, or if you'd like to pay us a visit, we're located at 1599 Fifth Avenue West in Springfield, Tennessee. Our phone number is 615-424-0427.